In this episode, we are giving away a Dark Angels Codex and the new Combat Patrol. If you want to be in with a chance, all you have to do is subscribe to the channel, click like and share and post a comment below. We'll be picking a winner at random. But guys, it's time. The weekend has started now. Hey guys, and welcome to The Weekender. I am joined by the amazing Jerry and Ben and Lloyd as we take you all on a journey through the sights and sounds of this wonderful hobby that we all share alone. Jerry, wow. Jerry and Ben, you got that the wrong way around, mate. I keep saying Jerry and Ben because I got into the habit of saying Ben and Jerry. And then the ice cream jokes keep coming and coming and coming. And then, I, you know, even I get bored of the ice cream jokes. So I'm now trying to train myself to say Jerry and Ben, or as we like to call them, Jen. So. <laughs> I like to call them the tasty boys. Well, the, we are the tasty boys now. Oh, the tasty yes. boys. <laughs> That's what they tell me. Well, the tasty boys um, are going to take us through um, a, a massive week um, of updates. There's a load going on in the hobby. Um, but first things first, as an update, there has been a Path of Conquest painting competition on. And we're going to quickly run through, um, uh, I think, seven seven of the finalists and announce the winner. Um, so uh, we you get a load of this. So, right, Ben, Jerry, take us away. Yeah, so um, this was a painting contest that was started off, I think it was just before kind of like winter time, sort of mm -hmm. December, uh, when uh, Justin talked with the guys from Parabellum about uh, giving away a Conquest Founders pack. Uh, so we ran that over that kind of the Christmas period as everyone was kind of like getting stuck into hobby and that kind of thing. So Jerry's then sort of whittled down the entries to seven and uh, we're going to have a look at these now and pick a winner. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll kick things off with Olverbite, who has painted up this exceptional, I think it's a mimetic assassin, isn't it, Jerry? That is uh, indeed a mimetic spires. assassin, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the important thing to note on this is it was a single miniature. Mm -hmm. uh, so some people have been doing some fantastic work on regiments and units as a whole. Um, but these are just sort of our short list of, of top single entries. Mm -hmm. And Mimetic Assassin's a nice model anyway, uh, but there's been a yeah. bit of base work done, pulling it up a bit. And also uh, it's got that sort of almost nature feel to the base. It, it yes. ties the, the natural weathering. Of That's the some nice together. composition actually on that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And even like the two-tone on the, uh, the poor, force grown drone that he's jumping off the back of there so it's, it's it fades between yeah. sort of greens and purples it's it's overall it's a, a very um it's not a striking model because you don't want a striking model when you're an assassin yes uh, but it, it's for being a muted tone uh, it still stands out on the battlefield and, and just looks terrific. That's right. I really liked the the work that got into all the sort of bone armor um, mm. that you get across all the spires. Um, and I, I love the detail work on that to make it look like sort of real aged bone. 
And then that contrast really nice with the with the pink flesh underneath as well. And the kind of the highlighting that's been done to it to kind of give you the idea of sinew and muscle and that kind of thing as well was just yeah. really, really nice on this model. Very cool. The sort of uh faceless mass of veins across exactly. the forehead. It, yeah. it looks terrific. Yeah. yeah. Well done that one. Mm. Okay, what's next? Next up is Nikyu. I, I, I'm glad you said that name because I didn't know what to say, what to go with. <laughs> uh, and this is this is a drill master for the Hundred Kingdoms. Yeah. Um, some terrific work done on the face, really capturing the detail of somebody who's uh, yeah, he's just bawling out somebody who's stepped out of line or uh, fired too soon. Somewhere, somebody in the Hundred Kingdoms is getting a chewing from this drill master, and uh, it's nice, nice work on it. He's done non-metallic metals. Um, yeah. which is different because generally when we see them, they, they have the metallics on them because it's very easy to paint metallics. Um, mm. So having that in there just sort of gives a more muted sort of subdued look my, to it. My favorite bit of the non-metallics is this just on the hilt where mm. it looks like it's actually reflecting itself. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I wouldn't have the guts to do that, stick a big thing yellow <laughs> on the side of my silver and go job done, but it works really well. Yeah. And I've, I've, Unfortunately, I don't have multiple pictures of this from different angles because um, it'd be nice to see some no of the Lloyd sections. Shot. Yeah, there's no Lloyd shot. But from there, you can, you know, it, it gives that very striking pose uh, and it frames the the face beautifully, I think. And that's yeah. the important thing. It, it draws attention to the most significant part, uh, his shiny Justin-like head. Yes. <laughs> he thought Justin was going to be voting on this didn't he <laughs> <laughs> could have been so two deke sick uh, i yeah. i i've i've given him his name if you want to name the actual model there ben ola kayara the twisted <laughs> yeah i almost ben you i you need to have to do a little flourish on ola kayara, the twisted. <laughs> so this is one of the spires um new models this this came with some of the other sort of uh unusual resin figures that are either unit replacements so they, they take the place of a chunk of an army um mm. but with these being released by powerbomb it's given painters an opportunity to really go to town yeah. um where you're not just having to worry about a single figure in a unit or even one of the, the sort of command figures that drop into units you have a broad canvas uh and he's used this to to go for um a really striking um, it's it's almost textbook spires with the bone like flesh um although you can't see it here there is different tones on the flesh on the rear and uh, mm. some of the other pictures in the project and then he's got this striking beetle armor in mm. sections it's very cool do you want that, me to bring up a different picture no 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 that's that's you know people people can go the projects are all linked there so they can they can go and have a nosy about themselves because there's a lot more in these projects than just these miniatures. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, beetle if armor. You're, if you're looking for those links, look down in the description or come on over to on tabletop and you'll find links. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things it's not mentioned in the project and I've looked uh, to try and see, he started with a gray base. I don't think it's color flip. I think it is actually purples and purples and greens and then you know metallic and glossed or something works over the top of it because yeah. as you can see there on the the front of if you go down to his loin or stinger or whatever that is <laughs> those it's those impressive. sort of muted parts you wouldn't get with a color flip you would get a 
just a sh- you know just a clean transition all the way through. Um, so I'm not sure if it's. I just- think it's metallic with a very carefully placed purple wash. Yeah. Please. Uh, yeah, but it's it's been beautifully done throughout, and then like I say, the um, the basing <laughs> is is very nicely done and sets it off. It it gives that. I suppose it's a great rocky feel. Yeah, it's a and, very very sinister final piece. I I really like this. Is really. this is this a unique base or is this the base it comes with? That's the base it comes with, and it, it actually it lifts out to set into a standard fifty mil round, mm-hmm. and and in that recess is like a green swirling pool of something, uh, which means it it could be used for. For other An objective things, piece you know, or something objective like that. Objective piece, yeah. yeah. Uh, beyond that. But it, it looks like it steps straight out of the artwork from Parabellum. I like which is one of the things I like about it. I like um, the fact that it's sort of muted colours, but you yeah. can definitely see all the different parts of the model rather than just looking like one beige. Yeah, he's painted with texture, hasn't he? Yeah. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving on, Taps, will we? Mm. Yep. Who's next? So Jesus John? Or Jesus, mm-hmm. John? Oh, no, sorry. This is Draconis is the next oh, one. Was this Draconis? All yeah, oh, right. So, Draconis. Yeah. Oh, yes, with his flame caster. Yeah. So this was uh, one of the Dwegholm that's been painted up. And one of the nice things about this oh, one uh, is it's actually like a little tiny bit of a conversion as well. So the axe was taken off the, the flame caster and in the sort of ball of flame from the end of it was just put onto the hand. So it looks like this Dwegholm has just sort of manifested flames in both of his hands and he's getting ready to fire fireballs at the enemy and stuff. And just as a whole, like, I think this is a really good um, a model look at and been like, how do you do flame effects? Well, here's an entire model covered in flames to show you how to do that. Lovely source lighting on that one. It's well done, right? Mm-hmm. It's well done. And it's the transitions in the flames as well, because you can mm-hmm. clearly see the facial details. You can see the, the eyes, the, the cheeks, that sort of thing, without muddying up or wrecking the flame effects, mm-hmm. um, which is a very, very difficult thing to do at the best of times because you want that sort of inner glow you want the the source to be expanding outwards mm-hmm. but at the same time they still manage to keep the definition and keep the transitions in there so yeah being able to actually just pick out go there's the eyes um where it's not just a wash of it's a lovely you know, bright yeah. yellow or whatever it happens to be so it's, it's beautifully done mm. and yeah okay so the next? object source is spanking so, uh, this... so next up is jesus john yeah with mm-hmm. uh the nord priest i believe yeah. Mm. So um, another fantastic one uh, Lloyd was pointing out when we were talking about these that there's just some really nice color choices in this one, which will sort of really bring it out. And I, I particularly like the the sort of skin tone that has been gone for as well to try and give him a little bit more of a kind of mystical look. I think it looks really nice. It's and popular. obviously you've got all the freehand work on the stones like, and all that kind of thing as well. So. What he has done with the stone, actually, it's um, yeah, um, yeah. That's, that. Yeah, you know, again, it's a lovely piece of composition, isn't it? Yeah, it's um. The yeah, the freehand uh, work is all over the place in this force, and on the priest, you see the the tattoo across the top of his big bald yes. head. Um, <laughs> so he, he's a fan of of doing an awful lot of freehand work, uh, which comes across throughout. Like I say, is the the color composition is particularly mm-hmm. striking as well because the the icy Nordic base, the the snow effects is very cool, mm-hmm. and the clothing. Um, replicates that, but then you've got very striking uh, ginger, I suppose. Warm tones from the beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poppy, 
yeah. poppy guy, uh, which immediately draws the eye. And when you have somebody like a uh, a priest or a spellcaster, somebody that you want to shine forth on the battlefield, shall we say, then uh, it's an excellent way of doing it. Yeah. I think I think part of why the skin tone's cool is because I think the skin skin tone complements the sort of greenness of the of the mm -hmm. cloak down below. It does, yeah. Because it kind yeah. of multiple touches in round here is a little bit of green. The mm. skin has that sort of tone, and then with the the alternative is then the blue coming from the mm -hmm. base into here and into the blue accents up around the beard as well to try and tie very it nice. together yeah. rather than just looking like a mash of colors. Mm. Yeah. It has lots of different colors, but it is tied together well. Mm. Sweet. Uh, okay, who's next? Uh, so next up, uh, we've got another 100 Kingdoms character. Uh, so this is from the Dace, who has done this uh, Imperial Officer here for the uh, for the 100 Kingdoms. Again, lots of really nice detail worked into the face there, sort of bringing out the slightly more softer tones of this individual. But again, lots of really nice work done to bring out the cheekbones and the, the nose and the eyes in particular look really, really nice. Looks like David Cameron. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know whether that, that now counts against it, maybe, but uh, yeah. It would explain uh, the pig's head on the shoulder pad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the painting is, the painting I love because it's, it's, it is muted. It's not stark contrast. The blending on the face, on the skin tone is particularly good. Um, yeah. So it may not be as extreme as some others that we've seen, but when you look yeah. at it, the the work just in blending on that face, so you get the mm. subtle, slow uh, highlights and contrast. I think is terrific. Again, it kind of mir mirrors the the artwork that you see for this guy on the on the box front as well, which is quite nice. Um, yeah. So you've got that going on for it, which is really good. And the armor looks looks fantastic. Really nice armor work on those. I like the darker tone for it. I think it works really nicely for the Hundred Kingdoms, yeah. and the slightly more darker feel for the world of conquest as a whole. Mm. Really, yeah, so. I think definitely the skin tones is is what stands out here. Yes, the highlighting yeah. the forehead and even on the edge of the ear here. You know, things that you may, if you were painting it yourself, go, I washed done. You might not, <laughs> you might highlight the uh, the brows and, and the lips and things, but you might probably, I would have probably forgotten to do anything on an ear. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of work on that face. And it, it has paid off. Okay. Yeah. We have one more. We do, yeah. So the final one um, is from Weil, uh, who has been working on this for quite a while now, actually. Haha. -ha. Uh, hey, and this is. Uh, one of the household knights that's been painted up and uh, actually got a golden button not too long ago. Uh, right. for this one too. So really, really nice work on this guy. Again, with the really good dark armor, giving it that kind of dark fantasy feel. Obviously, the freehand work that's gone into this as well is pretty impressive, as you can see on the shield. Um, and then as you sort of scroll down and go down through the night, you start to see all the weathering and mud and grime that's been splattered across it as well, sort of bringing it more into that kind of realistic um, side of things as well, which is really nice yeah. to see. Um, again, a very, very evocative miniature, basically, that kind of, when, you, it, when this is then arrayed with everything else from the army on the tabletop, we'll have this really, really nice look and feel to it, which I think is really, really good. Yeah. When we looked uh, at this first, the golden button, what really stood out for me was definitely the mud. Having the, the splattering. Yeah. Paint yeah. that and then go, right, now I'm going to muddy that up because I've been painting calf and stuff myself recently. And I contemplated doing this as in mudding up the bottom. And then I bailed on the idea and went, oh, I can't, I, I can't. I've spent I've too spent, much time. Yeah. I've spent too much time on this to plaster that. <laughs> what I really like about it is it's not just splattered. There's, see the way the grass 
yes stuff yeah. that's actually been kicked up and stuck to the mud and got stuck to the horse i think that's a really nice touch it's it really is a lovely piece of work that yeah and it's right. it is it is that freehand work on the shield and on the the yeah. caparison and then like say t- taking that step and going well you know what i'm gonna ground it i'm gonna make it more realistic um and yeah the basing work is is terrific it really sets it off and, and has that real world effect especially even just painting a white horse because painting a white horse would send me through <laughs> send yes. me over the top anyway yeah. and then going you know what now i've spent all my time doing the horse oh, it's shine all over it. hide the white right so guys they that was our short list mm. okay um uh, so we got together and we had a, a look through the short list to pick um our winner um we uh, argued for an incredible amount of time we then tried democracy uh, that didn't democracy. work <laughs> so uh, we're adults about this so we resorted to a fist fight so we got together and we had a fist fight okay and so ben distance and mask <laughs> oh yeah, so probably socially distanced fist fight. So you know, yeah. it, what you do is you tie tin cans to a tree, you put stones in the tin cans, you punch <laughs> the can, and then the can crosses the social distance barrier and clubs the other guy in the face. <laughs> Just important for your own future fist fights yeah. during the pandemic. <laughs> so, and if you get into a fist fight with someone. Hold your fists way out like this as they look bigger, right? Like, <laughs> when, I, when I fight and my fists are back here, they look tiny. So if you hold them out like this, you're far more intimidating. <laughs> so uh, after the fist fight, which Ben won comprehensively, boys, mm. you, I think we, we all took oh, a good yeah. beat from Ben on that one. Um, ben ultimately got to, um, to have his winner. So um, everybody else in there, we took a beating on your behalf. Um, but our winner, you know, Ben beat the crap out of us to to make you the winner. So not only did you work hard, but Ben also worked doubly hard on those tin cans to make you the winner. And uh, drum, oh, hang on a second. Um, I don't have a drum roll, but I can give you a rim shot. Um, enough. Lovely. <laughs> so, um, Ben, who was our winner? Uh, so the winner after failed democracy was Olverbite with the mimetic assassin. Got you well done. As I as I said earlier, really really nice work on like all elements of the miniature. Uh, I, I really loved the the bone work on the armor, and I think the flesh underneath it has been done spectacularly. And I really like the contrast between the sort of red cloak that's been added into that as well. And then you've got the basing, as Jerry was pointing out, which gives you that kind of story behind the miniature as well, which is really nice. Um, just a, a, a stunning piece, and um, it really brings together a whole bunch of really fascinating techniques to create a, a, a really nice finished product. So, there you go. It really was difficult to choose because um, all of the all of those entries were all you know at a at a similar level of competence right across the board, you know. So we went through to try and see you know where was uh, was there any standout ones in painting competence? Was there anything any standout ones in terms of composition? And ultimately, just it, it came down to us arguing about well, you know, as an overall piece uh, in its execution. Um, who was it? Uh, who was it going to be? So okay, well done you you get a conquest founders pack. You do. Congratulations, congratulations! Right, guys, um, it's that time. 
It's, 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 it's the biggest thing in the world. It's that moment when we get together and do Okay, I've got a little different India of the week this week. It's going to be a, it's going to be a bit quicker than usual, um, because it's a single product. Ooh. Okay, but I really wanted to highlight it because you don't get much more indie than this. The, the thing um, that's great about this is that Lloyd can't get lost in a web store now. So <laughs> <laughs> he'll get lost. Don't you worry. So it's him. This weekend sees the release of Terrain Essentials by our buddy Mel the Terrain Shooter and our other buddy Dave Taylor. Okay. Those guys went to Kickstarter uh, two years ago. It's uh, certainly a good while ago now. Um, uh, it's a good long while ago um, uh, to uh, uh, allow Mel to create a book on terrain making. Um, that book has now come to fruition. It's, it's been on its way to backers. This weekend, it starts to make its way uh, to retail. And I had high expectations for this book, okay? Primarily because I know the two geezers behind it. And not only are they nice dudes, they are nice dudes, but I know the level of competence both those geezers have. Um, I, Mel is um, a very methodical uh, kind of a guy. While the rest of us, you know, in, in our train, we may kind of slap a few materials together. <laughs> Mel will go off and get lots of the same kinds of materials and we'll do a lot of research and stuff like, uh, like that on it. Then you have Dave Taylor. Dave's a legend in our industry, both in miniature painting and in terrain making and everything else. So, um, uh, and his, his knowledge of uh, production of publications and, and stuff is, is pretty much unmatched. So whenever these two guys got together to do this, my expectations were fairly high. You know, I, I thought to myself, this could be, this could be good. Uh, I was blown away. It has far exceeded my expectations. So in this indie of the week, I'm asking you guys in the community to do me a favor, right? This book, I think, needs to go pretty much onto every gamer's bookshelf as a reference book, right? And during this, I'll explain why. But I would love to see this book available in little local hobby shops and possibly even local bookstores all over the world. So I know we're, uh, many of us are in lockdown and socially distanced and stuff like that, but if you could do me a favor and ping a message to your game shop, to your bookshop, um, and just tell them about this book, um, I'll get Ben to stick in a link. Ben, if you can remember to put a link into um, the the folk that are distributing the book because it's available in in the states it's available in in Europe and there's a two or three different distributors around the world okay and you can buy it online uh, obviously um i want to see them sell the book you feel free to go and buy it online but more so i would love to see this book spread its way through bookstores and hobby shops because Lloydy, this was the book me and you <laughs> always wanted to see yeah. not to read speaking of saying we have a pdf of it we can actually have a wee yeah. browse so um if we bring it up and, and and have a little uh, a little browse of it 
Now, um, if you scroll down, Lloyd, just to well, get to the contents. I can, I can do better than that. You can pick out what you want. Well, I would like to go to the contents first. All right. I understand. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right. <laughs> this, right. I, I just wanted to, to, to show you, uh, even the, in terms of the contents, the book is really well structured and it, the level of detail um, that goes into this. Now, I, I got to spend some time with Dave and Mel uh, on the Wednesday night radio show on the pirate radio. Um, I got them on as guests. And one of the one one of the real takeaways from this was that Mel was saying, look, this book um, is not about your creativity. Okay. This book is about giving you the knowledge and the tools to unlock your creativity. Okay. So for example, there are sections in this book where he talks um, in detail about the different properties of different types of PVA and well, and how you would use one versus the other, even down to little safety tips, like don't mix super glue with hot glue because it'll instantly vaporize the hot glue, which will then send a gas, which will stick to any wet surface specifically your eyeballs so so there's lots of lots of really really nice tips in there so he talks about the properties of the different materials that we can use he talks about how to work with the different kinds of materials that that we can use He, he he sets out you know the how you go about planning your terrain projects uh and the like so let's let's just pick a couple of uh a couple of uh sections there so in the 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 section called the watcha collets okay you um i wonder is that clickable the yeah so go there um if you go to the wet stuff and we can have a quick look through that this is where he talks about the different um uh, types of paint um uh, because you know you're not going to be when it comes to terrain yeah, typically don't buy your Wargamer paints for that uh, because you need a lot more paint um, uh, than, uh, than would come in, in any of them little vials. So he goes through the, the properties of the, the various different kinds of paints and inks and things uh, that you can use and, and how, would you, how would you use them. If you go to the sticky stuff, Lloyd, this is the one where he talks about the, the different kinds of glue. Um, and, you know, for example, Modge Podge is a type of PVA, Lloyd, but it's, I have me- some here. Yeah, it's medium as a gel rather than water. You know, and, and he, it goes on to explain it. And just this one section, a read of this one section just unlocks lots of uh, knowledge that the next time you go to tackle a terrain project, you're, you're not wondering. Oh, what That's cool, because I say I have some here of the Mod Podge, but I've always looked at it and went, well, it's just PVA, isn't it? But obviously there is a difference here, that it's PVA mixed with something slightly different. It's not just yeah. a regular PVA, which I, I've always suspected there must be something different about this, but I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> it's, it, it is... Uh, it, it is seriously, seriously good. The, you know, the, the amount of content, 280 something pages of uh, detailed um, terrain making instructions. You know, it's, um, 
It, it, it is a, a very, very interesting. If you go to Groundwork, okay, this is where he starts to um, take you through the levels and the, the, the different layers and approach uh, to Groundwork. So you can start to see how things are built up. And uh, the ultimate uh, uh, kind of effects uh, that you can you can achieve from that. Yeah, I guess it goes over a bit of placement as well, rather than just going, you know what, chuck this down, chuck this down. If it's anything like his grass work, he'd be like, right, so you want these near the edges, and you want this bit, this bit, make yeah. it all look nice. Well, here, go to go to landscaping in that one. So down there, yep, and then uh, scroll down through that a little bit till you see. Okay. And then you can you can start to see, for example, uh, later on he's going to talk about um, sealing the the textures and the stuff. He has a complete section dedicated to grass work, which I want to get to. But before we do that, see that color science one? Click on that, right? So you know it even goes to the point of like we have a full uh, color theory video um, uh, within our catalog that's been very popular over the years, but. You know, it, it just shows the level of detail um, uh, that the chaps have went to to try and help you get an understanding of how and why. So do you see what I mean about, like, like this is not a, a book of ideas for terrain, okay? We could get that anywhere. This is a book of how you execute. Yeah. It's very in-depth, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, which, is the, which is the key difference. Like, I've seen some really cool books and stuff whatnot come from Games Workshop where they'll show, like, a big scene and be like, oh, we dry-brushed this bit and we did this bit and we did this bit. But it's very much focused on what they made rather than the core skill set of going, oh, here is the core skill set you need. Now go and do your idea rather than just following our idea. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm serious, guys. I, I would imagine there's not a terrain maker um, in the world, okay, that won't pick up something from this book, okay? And certainly for uh, anybody who is in the hobby and maybe hasn't an awful lot of experience in, in terrain making, you need this book. You know, if, 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 if terrain making is something you ever want to have a crack at, yeah. Get because this book will save you a fortune yeah i was going to get to that because when we were making lots of terrain when we first started making lots of terrain we spent a lot of money testing stuff oh what happens if you do this what happens if you do that can you use this can you use that this will save you a bucket load of money because he's already spent it all <laughs> Turn up <and> work <laughs> it, out. It, it will it will save you an absolute fortune in uh, purchasing stuff you don't need on purchasing the the wrong thing for the wrong for the wrong job, and I click think on grass work there because um, Mel's kind of famous for his grass work, right? Um, click on leveling up. Leveling up is always kind of cool whenever he he, he starts to look at that. Yeah, it's it's going from this is the bare minimum of flocking yeah. hill to this is something that's a bit more time and labor intensive, but much more realistic, mm -hmm. which could be used for dioramas or just for your own um <clears throat> scenery building yeah. i mean a lot of this stuff isn't just for train making that as basing yeah you know well ink well faces and bases i've said it before the fact that the basing looks terrific will lift a average painted miniature to something higher 
Yeah. And, and these are the techniques that it doesn't matter what you play. I know sometimes we'll show off an indie of the week where it's a six mil manufacturer or a 28 mil sci-fi and people go, well, I don't play that or I play that, but not that scale, you know? So sometimes indie of the week is niche. It doesn't matter what war game you play. There is something in this book that will work for you, whether it's 40k or whether it's napoleonics or whether it's 15 10 whatever it happens to be the techniques and the materials and the skill set and tools are the same for all of us yeah and it's a nice example right here on this page of transition in terrain hmm. rather than just saying here this grass bit here my entire table looks like that you can see that this goes going through three separate transitions in the grass you know you're going from this i don't know okay, maybe thing. Foggy, swampy yeah. through yeah to the more plains and then you're moving up into the rocky high line high, 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 yeah. um, the rocky yeah. areas higher up yeah. where it's put in more scrub brush and stuff because this is where he, he starts to to work through the again materials that you you should yeah. try especially clump foliage clump foliage is incredibly easy to make um, yeah if you have the right stuff if yeah. you know how because yeah. i remember us we've destroyed blenders trying to blend sponge and all sorts of <laughs> stuff. what's that burning smell like <laughs> i think did it's the remember, blender did you remember to put water in with your foam when you were blending it maybe we didn't oh yeah no, that's that that is key See? Dry, dry stuff burns save money yeah destroy blenders this should be given to everybody you know we, we do you know i'm going to reach out to the gideons i'm going to reach out to the gideons mm -hmm. get a copy of this to put in every hotel room in the world okay <laughs> um, along with their little bible okay because everybody everybody in our hobby should have this book this book you know anytime you go to do anything related to your army whether you're going to build a table for it or whether you're going to base it you or, or whatever you you will just pick up this. Everybody should buy two copies of this book. One to destroy because they're going to use it so often, and one to put on the shelf as a backup. You know, that, I, I'm just well, really passionate. That, that's probably the only thing that, that they could do differently for this book. As if the hardcover is lovely. It's great for the shelf, great for reference. A spiral bound version oh. that you can lay flat beside you. Yeah, and possibly laminated pages that you can yeah. wipe clean. That <laughs> that is key. You mean like our pornography collection? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the, like the, thing, the thing that I was going to say is that a couple of maybe it was a couple of months ago now, I was talking about like how I really wanted to get loads of terrain to build a table up because that's the thing for I just don't have. Yeah, for burrows and badges and all the kind of like Star Wars and everything like that. I, I and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go and buy a bunch of trees, buy a bunch of hills and all that yeah. kind of thing to take it down. I think having a book like that would encourage me, especially if it like shows it off in like simple steps and just make it yourself and actually indulge in that side of the hobby. So might end up getting it and giving it a go, I think. But, I, you uh, yeah. know what? I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. Look, I love buying bits of terrain. I really do. You know, I think, I think, uh, it, it, terrain is one of my passions, right? Uh, I, because I, I think it unlocks a tabletop uh, in ways that, you know, it, it just brings a game to life. Yeah. But even if you buy terrain, there are, there are steps in this book that you can use to take that terrain 
simply and cost effectively to the next level. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just adore this book. I just adore this book. I'm, uh, I, I think, I'm I, think tell I think one of the key things about it as well is that like they've, there's a lot of photography in there, I think, which yeah. is important because it's, 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 it's good enough just being able to like follow instructions, but if you can see something and how it's meant to look, mm. it means that when it comes to you actually making something, you can reference the images and be like, okay, so I've not got it quite as dark as I should have done. Maybe I need to do something extra and then go back to instructions and follow it through. So having that alongside all of the instructional information just seems like a really good idea for me. To me. Yes. Mm. And the other thing is, a lot of times when you go looking for a tutorial online or something, you will stumble across maybe something like a model trains diorama modeling and stuff like mm. that. You'll pick up the skills, but you'll not necessarily see an example of it done in a wargaming fashion. Mm. Pretty much everything in this book, everything in this book, by the looks of it, is all wargaming orientated. Mm. Is there something there of the the wargaming triad or the terrain? Yes. Do you see that second link down? The terrain shooters terrain design triad mel as soon as i saw this i knew i was going to have your babies okay (laughs) i am a massive fan of the triad lloyd this is the do you want it uh, do you want it fast do you want it high quality do you want it cheap pick two because you can't have three Mm. and uh, and the fact that the the mel uh, uh, took a brought a triad into terrain making and if you scroll to the next page he then demonstrates how that triad works so you've got durability realism functionality and you can basically pick two you will be somewhere uh, along uh, along the line um uh, between them and you can see that the durability it is on Mel's mind. So when it, this isn't just a book about, you know, how to make things beautiful. It's about how to make things beautiful and playable. Hmm. Um, Very cool. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 these little details, yeah. you do not find that in terrain books. Certainly none that I have looked at over the years. No. Um, uh, I've been using this one which is specifically for dioramas, but was also first published in 1980. And to give you an idea of how far we've come, uh, let's find, there's particularly good ones near. It's mostly walls of text. Occasionally you'll get some pictures, but mostly that yeah. is how you build a diorama. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I, and to be fair, this is Shepard Payne. He's one of the greatest diorama builders that we'd ever seen, but even he, at the time was going it is just you know you get told you don't get shown yes but this would still have been my go-to and has been my go-to for nigh on 40 years mm-hmm. so being able to introduce somebody via mel's book as opposed to the old school one yeah <laughs> there, there's a slight difference there you really have to be keen to sit down with this and go i want to build walls how do i do that and then just pull it slowly from the text um, yeah, and even then, you know, it's it's more. This is how I did it for this. It's not the broad sweep. It's not it, the the detail. The analysis of the materials yeah. and yeah. it has the benefit of also. I mean, Mel, the terrain tutor, has his own YouTube channel as well. So it's not like you can you just have to look at this and read or look at the pictures. You can also go and watch some of the videos well, of him doing yeah. it as well, which is important. And was, and weirdly, I was going to say that because if if for example you are reading through the 
sticky stuff, but the the PVA glue one. Um, he has a video on his channel where he had them all out uh, and he checked them for drying times and stuff. He did the same with caulking. Um, so people who use it, to, you know, plumbers use it to waterproof baths and things like that. And he was testing it for making uh, either rubber terrain or rubber roads and things like this. So I think he was doing rollout mats and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so being able to sit down and, and like you say, you can read it. It's, it's clear. It's easily accessible. It's there. But then you're going, what exactly does that mean? You know, going, it's a matte or a satin finish. And if you're new to the hobby, maybe you don't know the difference between matte, satin and gloss um, or exactly which one is best for you. And you can just go and look at the YouTube channel and go, oh, right. Oh, my God, the glare off that is incredible. I'm never going for gloss. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be, uh, you know, it's complementary. Or you can have the channel by itself. You can have the book by itself. But using them in tandem um, just, you know, pushes things on further. Can we click on the waterfall section just quickly? Because I want to see what a waterfall looks like when, when, oh, when it, Mel's done one. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that was the... Oh, it's not that one. He, he oh, did. Man. He's That's done cool. two. He did a, a lava fall once using the same technique. Uh -huh. I think was used by whatever that computer game company is when they got Warhammer Total War. Mm -hmm. uh, the rights for Creative that. Creative assembly. Yeah. 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 Melted a, a massive lava-inspired cast dwarfy waterfall. Now it looks there's like, a more traditional one. Now it looks like that, right? Now you can find more realistic-looking waterfalls online in youtube videos and stuff but he's probably come at this then from the durability point of view of going well this needs to be playable as well not just fantastic looking this has to be somewhere in that it has to be what, a war gamer what did we call it again a triad it has to fall in the triad somewhere that is our our our, our indie of the week you know it's um i really uh, really wanted to, to to bring that to your attention because it's just, it's a great, great piece of work. And, you know, uh, as much as I'd like to see uh, Mel and Dave have uh, huge success with it, um, I'm just as keen to see our community have success with it. Um, I honestly believe that this book um, on your bookshelf in your armory of, of knowledge will unlock uh, a ton um, of uh, terrain making opportunities for you. Um, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see people pick this up and see their projects appearing in the project system with it. That would be cool. With all yeah. the techniques and stuff they've learned, just take it to the next level. So, um, yeah, um, uh, you're giving me ideas, Lloyd. You're giving me ideas. Right, that has been your indie of the week. Next up, it's time for the news. Coming to you from the center of northwestern Europe. Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that sh you love. It's the news. <laughs> so we're going to be kicking off the news for today with a look at what Warlord Games has been up to. Uh, now, they previewed some of this a little while ago, but now you're able to go in and pick up some new miniatures for their collaboration with Mythicos Studios for Mythic Americas which is a new 28mm game that uses the Warlords of Elrond rules uh, by Rick Priestley as a, a backdrop for it. 
Um, so this is a new game which moves away from the typical confines of Western European fantasy and instead looks at the myth and folklore and legends of the civilizations of the Americas. Um, so the first of the two, well, the first two armies that they've been working on at the moment are for the Aztecs and the First Nations. Um, so your sort of Native American forces and obviously those from sort of Mexico and South America. Nice. Um, so this North, uh, historically accurate anyway, so... Yeah. Uh, so so a, a north meets south sort of clash then is it in, in a way yes uh although not quite in the same context i guess but um yeah this is uh well this what you're looking at here is the uh, sort of core starter set for this which comes with all the bits and pieces you need for playing each of the different factions comes with your leader models and then comes with a bunch of um individual miniatures as well to use um for sort of like your core troops well let me get this straight this is this is aztec natives versus zombies in, in a way yes <laughs> and not necessarily versus oh. part of yeah so what they've done with um the mythic americas uh is that they've taken the fantastical elements the mythological elements of part of their culture yes and they're available as part of your war band so you could mm. think of this as as you know like a fantasy version of the americas I you can play it totally historic if you want you could drop you out could the mythical yeah. parts nope. uh, and run your mayans against your incas or whatever or you can bring in things like that yeah. dude i have uh, a gorgeous sexy little uh, lizard man army mm. right that i rebased onto round bases and i made it look spectacular right and and i've been wondering uh, i was looking at it just the other day i was admiring it and i was thinking to myself you know, I'd like to, I'd like to whip them out and and have them uh, uh, in a game. This is it. This is. You could it. definitely use them for that, yeah. Because uh, I Aztec those guys up big time, mm -hmm. so I, I want to get this and 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 do uh, do another army of some sort. Um, maybe these humans. Yeah, well, okay. they're also doing as well as the Aztecs and the First Nation. They're also doing uh, the Incans and the Mayans, mm -hmm. and they're coming further on down the line as well. So, if you want to play around with those, then you can do that too, which is pretty cool. Oh, you've yeah. got uh, as well as the kind of like core troops that we've seen there and some of their larger monsters. You've also got things like this, which is the Wendigo, obviously, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, really stunning sculpt. Again, been kind of like teased over the last couple of months and sort of last year, but now it's sort of like out in force as part of this set, which is pretty awesome. Um, in addition to the starter set, there's also like a collector's edition, which comes with these specific models. So you get a Jaguar warrior, uh, you get sort of like a warlord on the back of a spirit Jaguar, which is pretty awesome. And then uh, a, a Roman who's got lost. <laughs> Very lost. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like takes you into the sort of idea of how you could sort of play this game and, and get, you know, dive well, in and do something a little, little bit different than what you normally done. Wait, 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 this, wait, wait. this Roman guy, though, probably yeah. fell through a portal. There is a story of a guy who's in Spain, right? Uh -huh. And just a day later, he's in the Americas and like South America. And he said, I don't know how I got here. I just appeared on the street where you guys all were. And they were in like a, a war or something at the time. So they, they arrested him thinking he's some sort of spy. And then about three weeks later, a ship arrived and they heard about this guy who was there. And they were like, yeah, he was with us back in the old land before we left. And he was there like three weeks Spooky. or something before they got there. Picked up by Let me ask it. Gary, clear this up for me, mm -hmm. right? Do the time periods match 
Romans and Incans and um, some of them will, some of them won't. So depending on the empire in question, um, I'm trying to remember when the Incas were. It's just I'm totally, I, 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 I honestly, it, 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 I, I, my immediate, my gut reaction was, mm. what's Roman doing in there? Okay. <laughs> but, then, reaction. but then I thought, well, hang on a second. Um, I, actually, uh, Ben, just for the show notes, there's two. Just <laughs> <laughs> one. There will be another one shortly. But um, uh, the but then the the prospect of having a Roman ship that has got lost mm. and then turned up in the South Americas, and the legionnaires uh, uh, get off and get ready for battle. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, dude. I mean. Like, uh, you know, the Bronze Age was happening in Europe. There's still, uh, uh, you know, stuff happening over there in the Americas during that same period of time. It's not even oh, yeah, entirely yeah. abandoned. So it, it may not be the same. The it may not be the same. Ta- well, you, they, the they, conquistadors kicked in, so they more or less did for um, the Incas and I think Aztecs. So that that's yeah, the like conquistadors 12, got rid of the Aztecs basically. That's like twelve to. <laughs> 1600s but obviously for their there, time period I, there is the mind culture is older or the year zero yeah. yeah they've been around for ages yeah. you could do this like the romans could be out on one of their ships and they see the uss eldridge and they go over to investigate what the heck this is and they get on the eldridge and then the eldridge teleports again to south america and then they go well, I'm not for this. i have get not off. seen that film Back in years Philadelphia. yeah get off the eldridge <laughs> hey presto or the yeah. sets. I've, I've, I need timelines. I need timelines to check this out. <laughs> there's certainly there, there's beyond a genius here. So I, I think that I think because it's fantastical, they've blurred the lines by having lots of them around because there will be predecessors and, and proto civilizations yeah. that yeah. feed into them. But yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain at least one or two of them are out of whack with it. But you know, who, who cares? I always find that Romanly lost at sea. I always find these guys freaky, this idea that the Aztecs and Incas or whatever, some one of those two, like, made themselves suits that looked like the animals. They basically jumped into the animals. It's very cool. It kind of works into the kind of, like, Ulf and Werner sort of, like, um, Viking style of, like, berserkers and, you know, To be fair, not just animals. Kind of thing, so. Some of them wore human skin. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that know. is also true. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it why, also, why limit yourself to uh, just some of our uh, Celtic traditions, like the Welsh right. and the Irish have been in animals for generations. Very much so, still are. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are we looking at from a material standpoint? Is it plastics, resins, metal? No, they're all metal, as far as I'm aware oh, at the moment. God, I'm in love! Um, some of the bigger pieces may end up being resinified, but at the moment I think it's all metal across the board. I'm loving these guys. I could oh, use yeah. these. Scralings for Saga. Yeah, yeah. Do, but do, or, or maybe like do the Mohicans thing I was talking about a few weeks yeah. back and get them ranked up. Well, not these guys, but have them fight and ranked up troops and stuff. Mm. Lloydie, you paint up you paint up the Mohawks. I'll get my lizard men ready and we'll get together. <laughs> And we'll record a battle pot, uh, a battle report sometime in 2028. All right. Uh, just, just so you are, <laughs> just so you are aware that uh, the vast majority are made of metal, and then the monsters, as Jerry was saying, are resin. So there you go. 
So. Fantastic. Well, Great. Mythic Americas are definitely on the radar. Um, and I'm going to uh, let's get the show over quickly because I need to go and look at some timelines. <laughs> uh, so next up, uh, we're sticking with the idea of massive, strange monsters. Uh, but uh, Steamforge Games have previewed already some of the Kickstarter options that are going to be coming out as part of their Monster Hunter World um, campaign, which is launching in April. Now, the reason that I'm kind of looking at this is that it's quite a massive video game franchise, and it's got this really nice sort of theme to the game already that sort of echoes the video game, where you're going to be working together uh, cooperatively to take down massive, huge monsters on the tabletop, which is pretty cool. They also then said that one of the largest monsters in this collection that's going to Kickstarter, is going to be 315 millimetres tall by 250 millimetres wide and 210 millimetres long. Which one? Is it in one of these pictures? Is I don't think it's listed as one of these, uh, but they have said that one of them is going to be that big, uh, which is pretty insane. Now... Wait a minute, Jerry, show, show us a foot. Did you say it's going to be like a foot? Oh, careful now, Lloyd. Careful, Jerry. Sh- yeah, okay, that way. Yes, okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, so here- yay by yay, which is just insane, yeah. really. Yeah, but why have a yay by yay? And then go back to the picture of the board, um, because the board doesn't look very big. But the boards are going to grow with the different versions, that, the different environments that you fight in. So that is showing off what's part of one of the core sets for the game. But right. as the pledge levels go up, you get larger boards, larger monsters, more stuff, which, uh, as they've said in the description for this, will take the campaign from at its base level 30 hours long uh, <laughs> through to 75 hours long, they've um, estimated for everything if you dive in at the higher level. Now, obviously... The proof will be in the pudding, as they say, and you will want to look at gameplay and rules and that kind of thing before you check this out. But I think if yeah. you are a big fan of Monster Hunter World and you want to play more of it and you like big, massive, huge plastic miniatures, I think you'll probably want to go and check this one out when it comes in April. Um, I'm I'm certainly interested. Uh, I'll be very it'll be very cool to see how the mechanics work to get across the feel of the video game where you're kind of like getting materials together, making your weapons, making your armor, and then hunting down the beasts and, you know, tactical gameplay. So it'd be very cool to see how that all works out. But uh, I'm, I'm certainly on board at the moment. Shall we, shall I like this so. bad boy. I like yeah. this because the scales and stuff are quite pronounced, which should make it easier for mm. a crap painter like me yeah. to be able to paint I, I will a also, dragon. <laughs> I will also say that, like... For a wyvern. Um, Steamforge have been doing some really good stuff in terms of their miniature design, at least, for a lot of their stuff they, they've been doing for D&D um, recently. So these larger miniatures, they're certainly not you know, outside of the realms of what they can do. Uh, but yeah, as, as I say, I think it'll come down to the gameplay and how that plays out to see whether or not you want to invest. What I'd imagine is probably going to be quite a lot of money uh, for some of these pledges. So yeah. As a concept, I'm, I'm not... Uh it's not it's not particularly striking me in, in uh, well i'll have to wait and see about the playability but yeah clearly about these things is their collectability right mm-hmm. you know ultimately at the end of the day we're all collectors right? and, I'm, yeah. and i'm thinking to myself do i want to collect this do i want uh, you know and if i do collect it what can i do with it mm-hmm. you know um uh, because uh, what i'm seeing there in the board game um, is a big sprawling board game that's taking up a load of space, okay? And I'm just wondering, uh, after the 70 hours, what do I have? 
Um, you know, what have I, what have I collected? What have I, what use, you know, where, where does it, where does my passion for this go? Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? Like, what's the long term? There, there are, there are two things that I, I tend to think about when it comes now to these massive board game kickstarters like this. Mm. Um, so the first one is if, if this is the, what think about it in terms of like, don't buy all of these massive, huge plastic filled kickstarters, Think about one, so for example, maybe as a savior or sons of fan what fanboy or whatever. And if that's gonna be your hobby, then that's great. If that's gonna be the game that you and your friends are gonna play, then that's gonna be perfect, right? For you. Yeah. So think about it in that context. If you already have one of these that you're doing, maybe think again when it comes to you know diving into the next one and the next one and the next one. The yeah. other side of this as well is that if it, the the amount of time that most people will spend with a board game uh, is going to be maybe 10 sessions at the most, especially mm. if it's going to be a larger one. So think about it in that context as well. Is your group going to be able to get the amount of time out of this that the investment for the investment that you put in kind of thing? If your group is more into playing yeah. smaller board games, that you kind say, of thing. When you say investment, you don't just mean money-wise. You mean like time-wise. If you're time for painting miniatures and all that kind of thing as well, yeah. Um, so bear all of that in mind when it comes to looking at massive projects because there's nothing worse than buying a huge board game and then realizing you're probably only going to play it three times. That's I, am, I am finding myself asking why. You know, why have these big, massive, wonderfully detailed miniatures and then you place them on completely unrealistic boards. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, yeah. It's this. I'm 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 starting not to get this. Um, Standees and meeples are the way forward. Um, one of the, this one, one of the things I thought about when I first saw this is that you could do you do something pretty much exactly the same as this with standees for everything. Maybe they'll look at that. I don't think they will. But that would be an interesting way to go down. So it comes down to because it's a board game. It's not a. It's a board game with miniatures. It's not a miniatures game. If you use the miniatures for something else, happy days. But the people who are buying this, I mean, people bought that um, Street Fighter game by Angry Joe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at that, going, why would you bother? It's because they like Street Fighter, and presumably, Monster Hunter has a a massive following as well. So I can't. I can't imagine there will be people who won't. There's a difference, though. There's a difference, though, with the Street Fighter one. That is really the street isn't. no but there is because you're not necessarily painting those minis because aren't they oh, like they're all painted colored uh, it's got nothing to do with the painting because if i look at it and go why would i play street fighter on a board when i can play street fighter on a computer and, 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 like and because because, yeah. because i'm shy to playing street fighter on a computer yeah. i always <laughs> wanted to go that way. well i'm not but, now you're, but you're making the exact same case that could be made for monster hunter yeah why would yeah. i play this because I'm shy at the computer because, version. Because yeah, so and and that Maybe respect it. then it has its it has its niche. If you if and you and, and that's the thing, when, yeah. yeah well, as Jerry say, like and well, as we're all saying here, when it comes to these large kickstarters, really make a concerted effort to think your way through mm. how this would fit into your collection before you dive into it. I think that's the important thing. So yeah. Okay, what's next? Uh, so next up, uh, we're heading to uh, the realm of World War II. 
Uh, and we're looking at some more stuff that's coming out for Victory at Sea, uh, which is the naval war game that got uh, revamped by Warlord Games. Um, there are a couple of new entries in here, both in terms of ships. So you've got the HMS Ark Royal, which will be familiar to those folks who like sinking things like the Bismarck. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to play around with an awesome, badass aircraft carrier, uh, mm-hmm. then you can dive in and pick up the Ark Royal, which is pretty awesome there, looking very nice. Um, on the German side of things, for the Kriegsmarines, you also have the very famous Tirpitz, mm. um, which I'm sure all of us will know from Warren talking endlessly about it. Um, yeah. But uh, this is a really cool ship. Maybe you'll actually get it to do something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, because it was so well protected by the Germans that it only fired its guns once in anger. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Interesting ship. Uh, you know maybe you want to actually try and use that in a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what they're missing though, ship wise, that would just round this out. Mm-hmm. The, the USS Eldritch, Eldritch. <laughs> <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe they'll add one for you in the future. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as well as the uh, Ark Royal and the Tirpitz, we also got a couple of new sets um, for aircraft that can be used alongside the game as well. So you've got the Royal Navy aircraft set there with hurricanes and uh, with in fighter bomber formations and that kind of thing as well. And then you've also got the Kriegsmarine aircraft as well, with as many German designations for planes that I cannot remember. Uh, but there you go. Um, some very cool stuff. Because there. they're all fuckers at the end of the day. Very much so, yes. <laughs> and that's not even something I can put in the show notes because that's their literal name. But there we go. Um, but yeah, uh, awesome stuff there for Victory at Sea. They've really, really expanded on this um, mm. recently. Uh, towards the tail end of last year, they actually did a lot more stuff for the Italians as well. Um, so if you wanted to expand out an Italian fleet rather than just going for a sort of typical um, US yeah, Just uh, pad- British paddle around German. the med. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Float around the med, blasting things there instead. Indeed. Very cool Brilliant. indeed. Okay, what's next? Uh, next up, uh, we go to our friends at War Games Atlantic who had pre-release and possibly now fully released, I'm not quite sure, uh, release for their plastic lizard men that could be used in your jungle-based adventures. Lizard <gasps> men? Yeah. This um, ties into the shit we were talking about at the, at the start of the news. Tightly, tightly, tightly crafted, tightly scripted shoes. Yeah. That's everything circles back. Yeah. Um, Crute, Lloyd. <laughs> weirdly there is a comment in that news article where somebody goes has lloyd not seen the jeffers crew yeah uh-huh. uh so this is a set of war games atlantic lizard men in plastic there are 24 of them in the set mm-hmm. they have been primarily designed for use in fantasy but mm-hmm. there is nothing to say that you can't use these for pulp adventures Ooh, and someone, sci-fi as well someone's in trouble yeah that's a car alarm going off that's wonderful yeah it's just just being robbed don't worry about it yeah. i wonder if i could cut the feet off these and cut the heads off and stick Creep up heads and feet on them. Why would you bother? Why not? Because they're not creep. If you cut them off, that a lizard man doesn't have chicken legs. I was going to say you could cut them off at the. Uh, they've got their little straps around their thighs. You could mask the joint there very easily. Mm. Oh, I'd keep the straps on. <laughs> so these I'm, are currently uh, available in some regions because yes. Wargame Atlantic yeah. ship from mm. the UK, from the US, and from Australia. So yeah. I believe they're already in the US and already yeah. in Australia. Who's asking if, for crew? Because I need to reply to them. <laughs> I think if you uh, if you click through onto their web store page, um, which is listed at the top, I think they do also show some of the other options. Because obviously, I've talked about these being useful in their fantasy setting, but they do also have bits and bobs that can be yeah. used for sci-fi it, as well. Is, is this cool. where you want it to be, or you want 
to be. Yes, this is this is where I want it to be. Yeah. So you can see some of the different paint schemes. Ooh. They've also got like Kalashnikovs and, and that kind of thing as well, which mm. is pretty cool. And uh, and all sorts. So you could use them in Kalashnikovs. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. So you I'm... could you you could use these to to beat up Kirk on an alien planet somewhere as well like if you really gourd. wanted to. Yeah. I'm planning on um, looking at these to use with um, Warhammer of the Old West. So, oh, yeah. So there's a great David Gemmel book, which is set in a post-apocalyptic world, but it is just the Old West. And then there's these lizard men called daggers brought in from Atlantis who are given Ooh. guns. Um, and so I'm just going to be blatantly meshing the Old West system with mm -hmm. the fantasy elements from Lord of the Rings because they're the Very same cool. system yeah, to make yeah. up all my heroes who can just start going Black Scorpion, uh, gunfighters through them. Going yeah. bow, bow, bow. Yeah. Because yeah, not? Nobody awesome can stuff me. from these guys. The boss of me. Uh, also, guys, to my lizard man army now. Yeah. I, I mm. think they, yeah. they're so cool. I, I was also going. Yeah. Uh, the gas mask pretty awesome. Uh, well, one of the other things I was going to say is that um, War Games, uh, War Games, War Games Atlantic also said that um, they are working on a hell of a lot more kits for 2021. So oh, we've yes. kind of dipped into a lot of the stuff they've been doing over the week, uh, over the last couple of weeks, but. They are going to be releasing a heck of a load more kits this year. So watch out for that. Yeah. They're planning on doubling the amount of kits that they've, over the last two years, they've put together, I think, 12 kits now. Uh -huh. uh, they're looking to double that by the end of this year. And the kits are good too, because just a few weeks ago, I was teasing myself on eBay with a with a saga army which is basically what, what is it they're it's irish the, it's the dark age irish set yeah, yeah. It's, it's like one box of dark age one irish. box and it was going for like 250 quid pre-painted and i was looking at going oh and i didn't realize he got pretty much the entire army out of one box at 25 quid mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah wow oh, terrific i almost went for it i almost yeah. went for it <laughs> just, just, just because we are so tightly scripted and everything is circular they've just previewed they're plastic conquistador sprues that are about to be test printed and they're working on plastic Aztecs. They are. Ah, nice. Yep. Nice. Right. What's next? Uh, so next up, we're moving to uh, the World of Games Workshop and uh, we had three more board games that were announced by the guys at uh, Games Workshop for uh, both Warhammer Fantasy, well, Warhammer Fantasy? Warhammer Age of Sigmar. We'll get to Warhammer Fantasy in a bit. Warhammer Age of Sigmar and what Warhammer 40,000. Uh, we start with Age of Sigmar with the first game, which is a 1v1 experience called um, Bladeborne. Uh, now, this is a uh, using miniatures from um, Warhammer Underworlds. Mm -hmm. As you can see there, uh, set up as a board game for two people to fight it out uh, on an arena as they battle for uh, the a place in the Everchosen's army. Uh, designed as a sort of like one box sort of uh, experience for you to pick up off the shelf and dive into. This then leads on into two more experiences that are kind of designed to almost kind of like draw people into the game uh, with a sort of more... Uh, focused experience. You've got Space Moon Adventures Doomsday Countdown, which is a cooperative game, um, quick and easy to play, designed for younger gamers as well, which is pretty cool, uh, where you play as a group of Space Moons trying to escape a hive city and stop a bomb from exploding before the cultists stop you, uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and this then finishes off with the third game, which is back to a 1v1 experience, which is called Warhammer 40,000 Fireteam, set during the Indomitus Crusade, where you play as Space Marines or Necrons, battling it out on a board scape. Now, I will say, nothing in their blog post said that these would only be available in places like Barnes & Noble in the, in the Americas and that kind of thing. However, 
I would exercise caution before getting excited about any of these because the likelihood is they probably are going to be limited <laughs> in places. Um, but if you have friends abroad, maybe you can get them. Who knows? We shall see. Maybe Games Workshop will turn around and start putting these out in Europe as well. That would be very cool. I'm going to say it. I don't know if anybody will care. I'm looking at all three of these, and the middle one's all right. I think, yeah. The rest of it's all derivative. I think Space Marine Adventures Doomsday Countdown is probably the best of the three. I think mainly because it's got that kind of younger demographic that they've gone for with it. I think that is a nice way to introduce people into a, a you know the world of the grimdark future and kind of introducing the two factions. Maybe you could go on to another game after I'm this serious, playing ben, Kill Team or something. Those three boxes, right? You could stick in uh, the visitor center, and I couldn't tell them apart from the umpteen other little mini games and boxes that have been released over the last two years. Um, uh, it's all starting to become. A, a river of sameness to me you know it, it, uh, they need to up their game they need to up their game and um uh, because it, it's you, you know I, it, I am literally getting to the point of asking what is the point because you're not their demographic for this though no, that's true yeah i'm looking at this and i like the fact that they this some may sound stupid to some but i like the fact that they've actually got pictures of minis on cards and stuff because i know as a as a kid I would love just looking at the cards and stuff. Maybe that yeah. go along with this. Yeah, as I, I say, they're very much demographic. yeah, they're very that much entry like level up, things. Yeah. So yeah. that middle one though, I wonder if that's just a, an updated version of Lost Patrol. Uh, I would imagine it. it I'd imagine it probably uses exactly the same mechanics as the previous game to this that they did, kind of like in the Space Marine Adventures series, and also Lost Patrol, and sort of uses that mechanic to try and drive this forward. Don't, um, don't turn so. your back on a on an empty hex. Help us <laughs> come running out, are you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this this leads us on to uh, another bit of um, Games Workshop related news, uh, and this is that uh, the guys at Creative Assembly announced Total War Warhammer 3 is going to be coming out. Now, for fans of the old world, this will be pretty awesome, especially if you are fans of armies that have never really been represented before uh, in any great number. So this trailer introduced um, the forces of Kislev into the mix, led by Ice Queen Katarina, as you can see there, which is pretty cool, using, and this will be interesting in a second as well, the concept art and stuff that we've seen them working on in the background at Games Workshop for the old world going forward. So we're going to be seeing the likes of the Bear Cavalry and all that kind of stuff thrown into the mix here for use in uh, Warhammer Total War 3, which is pretty cool. I got the name completely wrong there. But this all then leads on to another thing, and that's represented by that jade statue that you see there in the image before. And this is that one of the other factions that they're going to be introducing to this is Cathay, which is effectively the medieval ancient Chinese faction within the world of Warhammer Fantasy Battles, which have, apart from a mention in one story from Black Library, I believe, never really been fleshed out in any great detail. They were in the fantasy roleplay game, I think, mm. um, but never really done on the tabletop. So they're going to be; these are going to be represented in digital format alongside corn uh, demons, Nurgle's ancients on there, which are pretty cool. But this then also means that the old world project that Games Workshop have been working on may indeed look further afield than the traditional old world that we've seen before. So obviously we know they're going to be doing the Kislevite army, which is cool, obviously. Bear cavalry, who would not like that? Mm -hmm. But then 
where we might also see them doing maybe 28 mil Cathay armies on the tabletop, which would be pretty cool. Maybe they're going to go to that smaller scale that I would really hope they do. I don't think they are now, but there we go. Maybe, um, maybe they'll revisit Nippon as well. Maybe they'll go as far as Nippon. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some interesting stuff coming out for there. I know a lot of people really like the Total War Warhammer games. I've played through one and two, I think. I've never completed them because they're just vast. Um, but, yeah, cool to see them doing more stuff for this. And I like that it feeds back into the idea that Warhammer Fantasy bot Battles was never truly gone, which is good to see. So, yeah, pretty awesome. Interesting. Mm. Okay, my favorite piece of news today was oh, a toss-up between the Lizardmen and uh, the aztec thing at the start. I think Myth- Mythic Americas could be really, really awesome. I think it would yeah. be really fun to dive into that. Yeah. Right. It's time to talk a little bit about 3D printing. We're carving out 3D printing bits into its own little segment again. Okay, um, uh, so this week uh, we just want to have a very quick look at a couple of the Patreons and a couple of the the kind of the the models that have made themselves available. So Ben, what we got? Oh yeah, so the first of these that we're going to be looking at is from the guys at Raging Heroes. Uh, now they've been doing their Heroes Infinite um, Patreon now for about a year, I think. Yeah, and this month um, sees them leveling up things in the vampiric department. <laughs> Um, so uh, these guys, they really are. Um, so this is their take on vampires, a dance with the vampires, as they say in the title. Um, Oh my word. And they've gone for a really interesting kind of like masquerade style feel to these vampires, uh, developing a bunch of characters, monsters. There's some troops in there as well that you can print off. Um, and this is all done. Uh, as we say, through their Patreon campaign. So basically you sign up and you subscribe for you know a month or whatever, and you get access to all of the miniatures that you see here in STL format to print off at home, alongside a bunch of other stuff, including welcome packs and all that kind of thing as well, which is really nice. Um, as, as Warren was alluding to, the guys at Raging Heroes have been doing some absolutely amazing things with this. Uh, last month, they did Undersea Elves, uh, last year, they did an entire section based on sort of Arabian Nights style um, characters, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and to go alongside what you see here, like it, I, I get that a lot of people will see these and be like, oh my God, these look imposing to print. But they do have quite a vibrant community already based around this Patreon where yes. people have set up like a Facebook group and they also are obviously accurate over on the Patreon page as well guiding people through how to get these things printed because uh, you know I, I would say myself these look pretty daunting um but um they can be done don't worry which is pretty cool so yeah uh, some stunning miniatures as part of this oh, one for february ordinary they make a cool carnival army they would yeah yeah wow a different take on them as well mm-hmm. it being that there's a blend of dark elves and um regular human vampires and then like you yes. see that the <laughs> carnivale masquerade this thing creeps me out yeah. <laughs> what is yeah. it is it a it's a fly thing it's weird mm. well one of the things i actually said in the description for this when they were looking at um bringing this to life is that they wanted to do vampires oh, but in a different fashion they're mosquitoes because they're blood suckers yeah there you go yeah um so like for example 
they have these. They also have kind of like feline. Oh my God, you clicked on it completely. There you go. You've got feline style, um, sort of succubus style vampires as well in the mix for this wow. one too. The blood cats. So yeah, um, very, very interesting models <laughs> that possibly feel a very interesting demographic and clique, but uh, a niche, but um, yeah, very cool stuff. Do an amazing version of Blade on the tabletop with these. You could do something pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like wow. Well, imagine having these all. You know, you're you're in Venice or St. Petersburg yeah. or something like that. Winter terrain yeah. and blade. Well, that, that centerpiece there is mental. It gives me um, Van Helsing. That part of the Patreon as well. That that's yeah, yeah, the centerpiece. Yeah, you can you yeah. can print it separately um, and tack everything else in. But yeah, it has. There's a part in Van Helsing where he's going after the vampire who's kidnapped uh, Celine from Underworld, whatever her name is. Kate mm -hmm. Beckinsale. Kate yeah. Beckinsale. Yeah. Uh, and it's in a part of Venice, and they're having a mass ball, so everybody looks like this. Yes. Uh, that would be perfect. And, and, you know, so this is perfect for that. And in fact, there's one of the vampires who's a winged version who's picking somebody up and eating them. Mm -hmm. Looks not dissimilar to one of the versions of... Uh, of the vampire from Van Helsing huh. as well. Yeah. So that one. There we go. Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, mm. amazing stuff from Raging Heroes. And importantly, if you uh, uh, if you don't have three D printing software, you can buy all of these later on down the line from their web store as well, which is pretty cool. So yeah. Nice. Uh, the next uh, Patreon that we're going to be looking at that does three D printing is from the guys at Warplock Miniatures. So this is Alex Huntley, the devilishly handsome devil that he is uh and this is a selection of miniatures for those people that love dungeon delving um now as part of the patreon for this month they have done a new set of what they've called dungeon all-stars uh so this is a set of DD &D dungeons and dragons style staples that you'd need for your adventures mm -hmm. uh in this particular set you get a basilisk which is the one at the top there which is pretty cool uh there's also a set of owl bears there's even little babies. Yes, there's, a, there's little baby owlbears, baby basilisks, if you want to look after those. And then the bane of all fighters, rust monsters. monsters. <laughs> that, well, the bane of all fighters, except the barbarian who yes, looks at everybody true. else's armor disappearing and goes, ha ha. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, these are entirely uh, downloadable from their for their Patreon. If you back up, if you back it for the month, you get access to all of these STL files to print off at home and uh, use as many times as you like, which is pretty cool. Uh, they have, um, as the uh, sort of um, All Stars Two uh, thing would suggest, done uh, a set of Dungeon All Stars previously to this as well, which included things like a beholder and a bunch of skeletons and that kind of thing, which is pretty awesome. And like, I think it was, there was a lich in the mix as well. Mm -hmm. um, but they've also done entire warbands of dwarves and goblins and all kinds of things over on their Patreon too. Um, so again, this is a really, really um, well-loved Patreon that's been backed for, I think about a year and a, a year and a bit now, maybe, I think, maybe half a year. I think it's maybe half a year. Um, so yeah, go and check this one out. Uh, loads of interesting files for you to download and, and play around with. And both of these, I believe, come with like a sort of starter pack as well. So if you want to sign up, as well as getting everything that's available for the month, you also get a starter pack of bits and bobs for you to print up as well and have a play around with, which is pretty cool. I totally, like, I totally like this, though, just before we round up. I, a rider on top of that. Oh, be cool. Stick out my fantasy yeah. army. You can mm -hmm. definitely do that. Yeah, very cool. Right. Kickstarters. Ben, you get the pick two. 
Cool. And yes. I picked one. <laughs> you did pick one. Uh, so the first of these uh, is Cora Quest. And this one is just adorable. So this is by Dan and Cora Hughes, uh, who came together during lockdown to make a uh, dungeon delving game that was kind of like a little bit of an educational thing for for Cora as they were playing it, but turned into an awesome experience at the same time. So this is a game for one to four players for ages six and up, which plays in around 45 to 60 minutes. And the idea is that you're working together as a band of heroes in classic dungeon delving style to save a gnome called Kevin. There you go. <laughs> you know, not trying to save a princess, saving yeah. a gnome called Kevin. That's brilliant. Right. So the idea of the game is that you dive into it and it's got these really fantastic uh, exploration mechanics where tiles are flipped over as you go, revealing new rooms and encounters. And some of them will also have links through to a kind of like a, a law booklet, which you'll read through and will give you in interesting information on what you're doing at the same time. Combat is done really nicely as well in this, where it's all sort of dice-based and stuff, which is really awesome. But... They've got a really nice incentive system in there as well. Whereas if you fail the first time and you're trying to attack something, next time you'll get a boost to what you do. So it's kind of like a fail forward mechanic, which I think is really good and obviously very good for kids, which is nice yeah. as well. There's also really nice stuff in there for monsters and all kinds of stuff in there as well. And they've done some really awesome stuff in the background for this uh, on kind of like a sort of like a getting in and enjoying it level. So um you can play the game online via Tabletop Simulator, which is pretty cool already. You can print and play a version of the game to see whether or not you like it before diving in and picking up the actual full version that you see here. And there's a web app on this which allows you to take a picture that your kids have drawn of their character and then turn it into a standee that you can use in the game, which oh. is also excellent, which I think is really awesome. Uh, and the thing that's just great about this, I think, is that it was this little project uh, that started out kind of like as a daddy-daughter thing that has now turned into a full-fledged game that I would genuinely really, really like to play. <laughs> uh, I was looking at this and scrolling through it and being like, man, those are some cool mechanics. I really want to dive in and play this. Um, so, yeah, very awesome. <laughs> is there full disclosure... My little ones did some drawings for this. Oh, awesome. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, uh, at some point, I'm, I'm hoping um, uh, the, they'll appear uh, in this. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, this, this, if you've got little ones, um, I highly recommend taking a look at this. You know, it's, mm -hmm. um, because just to, even the, the, the possibility of getting your little ones involved in drawing their own characters and bits and pieces, mm -hmm. because it's very accessible from that perspective, because of the way the artwork and stuff is done, you can open it up to your family, to your little ones yes. to feel like they have added to the game. Yeah. I, I really liked of like, of, all the elements to it, I really like the, the hero generation, and you can see how that's done there on with like creating the card stuff using their images, which is just fantastic. But I really liked the exploration mechanics. I love that it's all done through those that set of tiles that unfold yep. and grow the dungeon as you go. So that means that every time you sit down to play it, it's going to be slightly different, and then that means that all the different story cues will come out at different points as well, which I think is really cool. And it means that there's a lot of replay value built into this, which I think is good. And obviously, again, very good for young minds, which which, I think, which is yeah. always important. So yeah, does everybody win? 
It's a cooperative game, so yes, oh, of course wins. everybody wins. Yeah. <laughs> Who wins except the monsters? Yeah. Who's you can't, you are can't lock Warren in a room and let him die to monsters, Lloyd. You both work <laughs> together. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's Cora Quest from uh, uh, from Little Cora and her daddy Dan. Um, Fourteen days left on that one, folks. So um, if you haven't heard about it, do go and check it out. It is very much worth jumping yeah. in. As I say, there are ways for you to try it out and test it out and that kind of thing, and. A lot of designers that are like big in the board game industry have joined in to like do their own little bits and pieces. So if you like, for example, Mice and Mystics and you like anthropomorphic animals, like I do, they've done a really nice little set of uh, character cards and that kind of thing for using the Mice and Mystics characters in the world of uh, Korra Quest, which is cool. So yeah. <laughs> right, what's next? Uh, so next up, uh, we're going to be checking out, and I've got to say this in the, uh, I think, the, the right fashion, Grid Wars, Age of Cyberpunk. I'm going to say it that way, because that's wow. the kind of way that I imagine the, it, the title is said. Right. So this is from Titanfall. agent for voiceovers, man. I didn't <laughs> do that. So. Yeah. Grid Wars. Um, so this is a entirely printable game to play on the tabletop. Mm-hmm. Right, so we've seen Titanforge do something like this before with a game called Bloodfields, which we talked about last year. This is them then stepping into the sci-fi realm. So the core concept of this is around the idea of cyberpunk gangs battling it out on the tabletop for control of cities and that kind of stuff. So it's a proper um, sort of skirmish-style war game that you all know and love. Everything in the game, so the hundred-plus miniatures, terrain, components, cards, and all that kind of thing and that stuff, is printable at home so you can do everything from uh, sort of like the comfort of your your 3d printer and then use it on the tabletop this mm-hmm. is all then backed up by a web app which uses all of the uh, sort of does all the mechanical stuff in the background for making your war bands and all that kind of things on top of the game for grid wars age of cyberpunk there's also a bunch of extra stuff thrown in there for those people that want to take it in a different direction so they've also included a bunch of different crews and gangs and that kind of stuff that can be that are more like heavily sci-fi so there's a group called the star smugglers also might be quite good for a you know a game coming out later in the year from uh, osprey perhaps uh, and also a bunch of other stuff that is a little bit more sci-fantasy so if you want to mix a bunch of stuff together and play around in that concept in that style then you can do that as well on top of that through all the stretch goals and the add-ons and that kind of thing they've been unlocking new monsters new gangs new heroes and that kind of thing that will all be sort of uh, available as part of the cyberpunk style game and they're going to be trying to unlock both a solo version of the game and a co-op version as well so if you want to play the game not in a versus format you can do that which is pretty cool Um, yeah and as i say the guys at Titanforge have done this before with Bloodfields, and that was well-backed, and I believe that's all delivered to everyone as well. So if you're interested in kind of like where they might be going mechanically with the game, definitely go back and take a look at that Kickstarter and see where it goes. Uh, I don't believe there is a full gameplay run-through on their Kickstarter page at the moment, or at least it wasn't at the time of writing this. Uh, but if you want to dive in and, and check it out, definitely go and, and see what you think, because uh, the miniatures certainly look very cool. So Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. And that wraps us up for this week. Remember, you can come across and join us on Sunday morning for our behind-the-scenes chit-chat with the Cult of Games community and the XLBS. Um, Until next week, we're wishing all of you happy gaming. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, Why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong.
Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.